Yorda, and welcome, new listener, to the first episode of Lost Cause, a D&D podcast from Aotearoa, New Zealand. I am your game master, Josh Wilkinson, and I am so very excited to start a new campaign. We are going to get our esteemed, amazing, <laughs> incredible players to introduce themselves in just a moment, but there's a few things I want to cover up top. This is an actual play D&D podcast. To break that down, actual play basically means there is no script, no reloading to an earlier save if things go wrong, and no guarantee our heroes will achieve a happily ever after. I am looking at them as I say this. We will be doing some editing to remove rule checking and adding a little music here and there just to bump up the action. Uh, D&D, for those who don't know, is a tabletop role-playing game, part board game, part role-playing exercise, and all kinds of fun. We're playing in the homebrew setting of COS, with a few little homebrew, homebrew rules we use to really make the game our own, but you don't need to worry about that. Just sit back, relax, and let the dice tell their story. So, I am joined by Halcyon, played by Harris. Hello, I'm Harris. This is what I sound like, and I'll be playing Halcyon State Raised. Welcome to Titan. It is very, very exciting to be here. I love that voice. Uh, next up, we will also be joined Squeeb, who is played by Kale. Hello, uh, I'm Kale, uh, and I will be playing Squeeb. And yeah, this is what Squeeb sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what Squeeb sounds. <laughs> Hello, I am Squeeb, and I'm a lovely merchant from the country of Cos. Is he a Muppet? <laughs> you? I peek, peek behind the screen, everyone listening. I've known about this voice for so long. I was at home practicing it so that I could make other Bodians, the like cockroach race in the game, sound like, and boy, is it a funny voice to practice. Oh, hello! Oh. Anyway, back on the rails. Uh, Crixia, played by Lexus. Hello, I'm Lexus. I sound like this. I'll be playing Crixia. But hello, welcome to the Purple Worm. Nice, nice, Ooh. nice, nice. Just and last but not least, around. Tria, played by Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. This is what I sound like. Uh, and Tria will probably sound something along the lines of... Oh... Welcome to the Purple Worm. I hope you have a lovely evening. Three real normal voices and a and squeeb. This <laughs> <laughs> is just jealous because uh, your voices are lame. <laughs> uh, we have so much planned over the coming weeks and months, and cannot wait to share it with you, including wild guests, opportunities to hang with us on Twitch, and maybe even some prize giveaways. Potentially, maybe. Uh, make sure you follow us on all our socials at Lost Cause Pod, all lowercase, to keep up to date and follow along on the journey with us. So, without further ado, let us begin. What is there to say about the city of Titan? Were you to ask its leaders, the five heads of the Draconic Pentorum, they would tell you Titan is a necessity, a bulwark against the chaotic elementally cursed Puaha Desert. They would tell you that water rationing, citizen ranking, history revision, and the odd disappearance are simply the price that must be paid for a civilization to flourish in such a harsh environment. But the true story of Titan won't be told from the Pentorum's perspective. Let's meet our heroes. We move past many painted sandstone buildings through Titan's symmetrical streets towards the halls of history, an impeccable museum whose wings detail the Pentorum-approved past events of the city and its surrounding environs. Gathered in meeting on the staff-only floor of these hallowed halls, the novitiate curators are given their daily assignments. Standing at the head of the small crowd is Head Curator Gurjik, a white-scaled, old, frail dragonborn that resembles the many scrolls he reads throughout the day. He wears green scholarly robes that help make his polished silver citizen pin stand out on his lapel. 
boarding, no visits. For most, there are only minor details that need to be addressed today. If you are not working in the Elven Empire exhibit or the Puaha Relations exhibit, you are free to go about your day as normal. Remember to take a moment today to praise the Undying Queen, for without her strength, none of us would be here today. Nothis, Halcyon, come on up. Harris, would you like to describe your character, Halcyon? With pleasure. Halcyon is a small, elderly goblin man. He stands at about three and a half foot. Uh, he has a slender, agile build with sinewy, like, old man muscles. Uh, sharp, angular features across his entire body. His skin is like a deep green hue that lightens towards its edges, so his his ears and his nose kind of start to get kind of pinkish, but kind of a curdled pinkish. He has a mop of grey curly hair that sits between his long pointed ears, and basic spectacles sit on his sharp and hooked nose. His eyes are a creamy yellow, but they seem to glow with an inner fire, uh, and he has a wide and terse mouth filled with rarely seen sharp pointed goblin teeth. Um, he is wearing the typical uniform of the Halls of History, uh, flowing green robes cinched at the waist with a tidy leather belt. He also has a brown leather jerkin on, very basic and sensible, uh, and polished uh, to a gleaming, shining bright brass. There is a pin denoting his rank as a copper citizen uh, upon his lapel. Standing next to you is Nerthus. A lithe young man with a thick ginger puff of hair on his head and a trimmed ginger beard. Piercing green eyes and a permanently sly smile. Nerthus, I need you to personally test the tube system, the pneumatic tube system in everyone's offices. I don't trust that runic tech and I'd rather catch anything that needs maintenance before it breaks. Uh, Halcyon? Uh, I've received two rather important documents that will require some serious moderation. One is a copy of the treaty between the Pentorum and the Elven Empire. The pro-Empire wording has clearly been misinterpreted and will need to be rewritten. Uh, I'm sure you can do that. In, indeed, uh, curator. Thank you for blessing me with this incredibly important work. In the name of the Dragon Queen. There are a few else I would trust with such an important task. Which brings me to the second document. It is an ancient burial map. It purports the idiotic notion that Dragonborn used to mummify their dead in preparation of an afterlife. But as we all know, only the Dragon Queen is eternal. Um, let me know if you require more censoring ink and I will order some. It is a rather large map. I should have plenty in my offices, uh, but I will let you know. Thank you again for trusting me, a lowly novitiate, with such important work, uh, Master Gurchik. Well, you've done good work for us for many a year, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Carry on. I have papers to read. Indeed. May the chromatic queen's light guide your path. You hear, just under his breath, you hear Nerthus kind of mimicking you as you say that. I pay him no mind. Gurjik takes a seat, uh, waits for everyone to head off to the various departments. As you start heading back towards your wing, Halcyon, Nerthus walks in lockstep with you. Gurdjieff is to be as old as some of the exhibits at this point. Only a matter of time before I take his spot and get that shiny silver pin, which will of course benefit us both, pal. Speaking of, it's my friend Zolti's hatching day today. You wouldn't want to come and try some good draconic ale at the last bite, would you? It's a respectable joint. I swear I saw a zealot in there the other day. Well, while I am appreciative of the offer, novitiate, I do have plans this evening uh, at the Undying Cathedral. And uh, 
You best be careful how you speak about your superiors. You wouldn't want a zealot to be thinking that this is heresy. Of course I know you, but you need to watch your tongue because the Dragon Queen is always listening. I would like you to roll me an intimidation check. Intimidation. Twelve. Twelve? Again, Nerthus's permanent sly smile remains on his face as you say these words. Oh, I wouldn't worry about me. I've got it made in the shade here in this city. But yes, you are quite right. I should respect the old dragonborn. At least for now. Well, uh, no better place to start than your office. Um, I don't think I've seen it before. You'd be happy to lead me there, wouldn't you? Of course, but I do have quite a busy day, and I'm sure it will take you more than just a single day to check over all of these tubes, potentially tomorrow. Fine. My office still stands. Come find me before the end of the day if you want to, uh, well, hang out with some people moving in the right direction, if you will. I, again, appreciate the offer, but I am spoken for this evening. Very well. Uh, without breaking his stride, he does a full 180 and starts walking back along the hallway that you have walked down. As we approach your wing, would you like to describe what it looks like? Yeah, it's like the museum I picture is made out of sandstone, but carved to a point that it looks almost metal. Um, incredibly fine, kind of halfway between almost like a library and a museum exhibit. There are books and displays showing relics, uh, scrolls, and everything from all across Cos as I walk into uh, the international relations arm uh, of the halls of history. Um, it is supremely tidy. There is nothing out of place. Um, there are constantly people sort of fluttering between them who I would imagine bow at my in reverence to me as I walk past. <laughs> That's what I like to imagine. Yeah, there are definitely a few polite nods in your direction, which can only I reckon be it's probably reverence. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd say that it, it's maybe like two or three stories, but I'd say my my office is just adjacent to kind of where you would enter the hall. Alrighty. You enter your office. There are very neatly stacked layers and layers of paper. One, a freshly printed readout for you to cover over the Osrad Runic-powered intercom system that works here in the Halls of History. This technology is rare, but buildings of significant importance have things similar installed within them. As I enter my quite cramped office, I review the paperwork that has come in um, and then I will sit down and I would just like to quickly pen a, a, a message noting my interaction with Nerthus um, and then I would like to send that to uh, my higher ups um, it, it just with the heading um, potentially heretical interaction with Novitiate there is a series of tubes above your desk. One leads directly to Gurjik's office. Uh, one leads directly to the Undying Cathedral, which is likely where you want to send this message. Uh, there is one as well for uh, the neighboring wings. Um, one leading straight to Nerthus, the other leading to a colleague you don't have much rapport with who happens to run the ancient history wing, which you know to be the least visited in the halls of history. I will send it to the Undying Cathedral and also to Gurdjieff, so he's aware. And then I will start uh, my work around new findings. 
So, you have two very important documents in front of you. One detailing the treaty that is signed every few years that dictates the rules of the peace between the vast elven empire and the draconic pintorum. There, uh, it is a thick document with trade agreements, with various theological, uh, shall we say, arguments that take place within its pages. Uh, and you also have the second folded at the moment piece of paper, which is likely taller than you are. It is a map of the entire desert of Puaha with various locations marked on it. I will pen another letter to Gurdjieff uh, saying, I will need more ink <laughs> seeing the size of this map and the work that is required from it. And as the time rolls by, you begin your work. And it is time for your daily announcement. Yeah, I organize my files in order. Uh, and then I will lean up to this new intercom system, which I imagine is still kind of quite strange for Halcyon. And I will um, lean in and start the announcement. Um, Good afternoon. Citizens of the grand city of Titan, and patrons of the halls of history. May the Dragon Queen bless you on this day. I am your Nuvitiate Curator, here in the International Relations Wing of the Museum. Titan and the halls of history research team are uncovering secrets of Cos's history with each passing day, and new research has shed light on several exhibits in our wing. These will be updated on the displays post-haste, but are as follows. Recent research has uncovered a deep-rooted connection between the noble Leonin people of Tartangi and the Dragonborn people of Puaha. Guided by the Dragon Queen's wisdom, our research has found that the Leonin have proclaimed historically that one day a god-queen will be found and bring upon a new dawn for their people. Of course, they are speaking of the Undying Queen's inevitable rebirth. As new information shows, the Leonin's faith has been intrinsic to their survival and growth as a people. This is just another example of the wide-reaching love of the Chromatic Queen. In other findings, new research shows that the Goblin King of Namata were never in fact native to those lands, but rather were refugees from Shoal, who fled when the curse scarred the land. The High Elven Empire are the true natives of Namata, and their welcoming kindness to the Goblin King has been met with only violence and a propaganda-driven war. Titan is glad to be aligned with the rightful peoples of Namata during this false war led only by the greed of the goblin kin. And finally, new findings have uncovered the cause of the rapid technological advancement in the city of Osrad was not due to the tinkering masterminds of those who run the city, but rather because an ancient temple built in the tunnels underneath the scrap iron streets, a temple to none other than the Queen of Chromatic Majesty. The settlers in the city arrived poor and destitute, and they prayed for love, safety, and a chance to have a better life. And the Dragon Queen gave it to them. It is unfortunate that the city has strayed from this knowledge, but in tandem with our researchers and the pious zealots of the Undying Cathedral, we will educate those in Osrod and bring them back to the loving embrace of the Scaled Mother. These are all of your updates for today. If you have any questions, please submit them along with your name, address, pin rank, and mandatory donation and we will follow up with seven cycles of the moon. Have a blessed day, and remember, we must keep reaching towards the knowledge of her all-knowing congregation. And I end the call. You hear a smattering of polite applause from the few that have made it to the museum this early in the day. Uh, there is also a whoosh sound as delivered to you from Gurdjieff's office is a small little tube and inside it is a liter of black ink sealed away for you to use on this hereditary map. But we depart from the halls of history across to Titan's Arcane Academy. We see austere white towers that reach towards the skies, casting long shadows over the streets below. Bells ring, signaling the end of the morning lesson. While most students rush to their next class, 
A figure crosses the external courtyard towards a long, verdant hedge. A confident young dragonborn, with an upturned snout and a uniform that's clean, sky-blue color, clashes with his own dark gray scales. As he approaches the hedge, he draws out a small piece of copper wire from his copper citizen pin and whispers into it, Squeeb, are you near? Yes, I'm near. I can hear you. My next lesson is in history of divination. I'd rather peel my own scales off than go. Uh, where are you? Uh, let me know when it's safe and I'll pop out. A few minutes pass as the students finish making their way to their classes. Okay, it's just me. Okay, I'm right here. Uh, yeah, I pop out. Uh, like, I'm very close to him. I was just hiding. Um, yeah. You emerge from this hedge. Kale, would you like to describe your character? Yeah, so Squeeb is a small Bodian uh, teenager, I suppose, adult. Um, he is uh, He's wearing a... A helmet which his ears in and it's got like a little blue glowing like light in the middle of it um which he can sort of switch on and off he's wearing a, a bright yellow scarf which on him looks more like a cape um and pretty much covers covers most of his body he has his two extra arms sort of tucked into his like uh leather and metals like suit he wears um just because he wants to fit in with the crowd and look as normal as possible um and as little like a body in as possible i guess and yeah he's he's a very small creature and oh yeah he also has a set of black goggles that sit right over his little eyes you know evo and conjuration has really been pushing poison magic lately love to you know do a little practical magic while we have the courtyard to ourselves how do you feel about a quick duel oh a little bit nervous um what if someone comes come on the lessons last for like an hour i doubt our duel will go on that long one of us will surely concede by then tell you what i'll sweeten the pot you win i'll teach you a spell of your choice i win Ooh. Let me read a couple of pages inside that book you're always carrying around. Okay, maybe. What are the rules? I've never been in a duel before. Well, I suppose that's up to us. I assume we would take position a certain distance between us. We would both raise our casting implement of choice, mine being a wand, yours being, I don't know, whatever it is that Bodians use to cast their spells. Um, and we would count three, two, one, go, and then begin the duel. With, of course, the very important caveat that, you know, if things get a little a bit much, we concede. We let the other have their victory. Hmm. Oh, the only sort of spells I know that could damage you may kill you. I do not want... I, I do not wish to do this. You're right. Perhaps we draw to first... Blood? First injury? First to... To land some... Some significant damage? Oh... Come oh. on! You don't learn magic by sitting inside a library to, talking to old people. You learn magic by performing it. By... By pushing its boundaries. Well, I mean, you are very correct, and I haven't had much time to practice considering I can't practice in the city. Um. Okay, but we can't use any spells that uh, make noise, okay? Just come, keep it come. safe. He grabs you by the, <laughs> the exoskeleton arm and drags you out into the courtyard. Um. You can see that there are little markings where the large, like, tiles, sandstone tiles are. He counts out one, two, three. 
moves maybe 15 feet away from you and then stands holding his wand up in front of his face. One final condition. If you are to read this book, it's only a couple of pages. You must start from front to back. Otherwise, it will not make any sense. Fine. It's a deal. Great. Would you like to shake on it? Um, I... Yeah, I guess. Okay. He walks back the 15 feet that are between the two of you. It's a deal. Okay. I don't know why we had to shake on it, but... Maybe it's a Bodian thing. It's custom. Sure. Uh, he walks back the 15 feet. Yeah, I walk back 15 feet as well. Turns, raises his wand. Are you ready? We shall count down. Three, two, one, and on go, we cast our spells. Right. We doing uh, very realistic conditions. This is just, it's just going to be first first to hurt the other okay we don't i don't know why we need all of these rules rules set boundaries there are no rules when you are outside of dueling so no if we're going to make this a duel we need to make sure that we know the rules but we're making up the rules squeeve we can do whatever we want okay okay wand up uh, I pull out like, my staff, my little staff from off my back, um, and yeah, put it in front of me, ready to go. Okay. Three. Ooh. I cast. <laughs> Let's go. What are you casting? Uh, I'm casting Firebolt. <laughs> Sick. Roll the hit. That's seven. The bolt goes wide scorches the tile next to him you see a look of shock immediately replaced with concentration as and, and also a slight smile on his face he was thinking something similar but you beat him to it <laughs> uh, he is going to step in closer to you and cast a little cantrip a cloud of poison sprays out of his wand and yeah i need you to make a constitution saving throw 13 13 you manage to react in time you use your scarf to block your mouth hold your breath and the poison washes over you dealing no damage how do you respond I respond by, um, well played, uh, and I, and then knowing that he's got, like, poison gas spells, I'm gonna hold my breath for the entire time, <laughs> uh, and then I'm gonna cast Firebolt again. Heck yeah, rolled a hit. Ten? That it's a ten. A ten would hit him, but he's going to use shield. He raises his wand. You see little cracks appear in the air between you, like shattered glass, and your firebolt bounces off of it and again lands on the sandstone blocks beneath you, scorching the ground. Very nice. Thank you. It's a handy spell. If you don't have it, you really should learn it. And then he's going to uh, use the same spell he used on you before, a look of determination in his eyes as another cloud of poisonous gas sprays towards you. You're holding your breath, so I'll say you have advantage on this constitution saving throw. Wonderful. Okay, first one. Bad. Hopefully the second one is better. Uh, that is a nine. <laughs> Even through your thick scarf holding your breath as best as you can it makes your eyes water it burns you can't help but cough and you feel the poison soaking in so you take some damage 
Uh, you take three points of poison damage. But you have a choice okay. to make. Do you want to concede, or do you want to pretend like you didn't take any damage and keep the duel going? I'm going to pretend like I didn't take any damage uh, and, like, smile and point to my, like, face as if I'm, like, not breathing, even though I coughed. <laughs> Surely that's cheating. Maybe we should have discussed rules before we started this duel. Hey, you agreed. Before I finish my sentence, I will cast another firebolt. <laughs> How does a 21 sound? 21 definitely hits. He moves to bring up his shield again, but your firebolt busts right through it. The little cracks scatter as the shield is destroyed and the bolt makes contact. Uh, that is eight damage. You, the, the blast, the gout of flame that you shoot out disintegrates like a whole corner of his uniform it scorches along his skin he's not resistant to fire damage and he falls to his knees dropping his wand <clears throat> yep I can see yep. yep you okay you win mm -hmm. sorry oh. I did not mean to hurt you oh undying queen why god this hurts you know this spell that I used against you? Yeah, I'm familiar. It's a little gauche, but <laughs> effective, I suppose. Oh, help me up, will you, Squeeb? I'll do my best. I'm a lot smaller than you, but I'll try. Um, yeah, and I gotta help him up. You pick him up. You see that the outer layer of his scales are a little scorched. Um... He is shocked more than anything else. Uh, he isn't angry. He isn't upset. He's just surprised by the power of that cantrip. All right. Well, I think it's fair to say that you win. Only oh. just. Um, I might add, I was doing a bit of acting just then. Uh, you actually did some damage to me, too. I don't know if you noticed, but that was quite painful. Wait, so I won? Oh, no, no, I never conceded. Wait, but I thought we said it was to first... to first hit. Well, I suppose then you did win. Uh, I must have misunderstood the rules. I heard the word conceding and it kind of blew through my brain. Um, yes, I, I apologize. I definitely, oh, definitely won. It doesn't feel like I did, but I definitely did. Okay, oh, well, yeah, help me help me sit on this seat and we'll let's have a look at those first two pages. Yeah, so he uh, I give him the book and he opens up the first two pages and it's <laughs> the first two pages is a description of the previous owner of the book. <laughs> he begins reading it. Squinton? What the hell is Squinton? I don't wait, that's all there is? There isn't a single spell in here. <laughs> also, most of this is in... This is a language? I don't know what this is. Um, please don't tell anyone, but this is Bodian language, and um, if you keep helping me and, you know, being my friend as you are, maybe I could teach you. But I know anyway, I've still got a bunch of learning to do as well. I mean, we're only going to get stronger together, right? Of course. Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, so. Now, if, if I have to take a few more of those fire blasts, it's still better than studying history of divination. Hey, you busy tonight? Um, no, I don't think I am. I've heard there's a... a bar, a club if you will, out in the old city that doesn't check IDs. How do you feel Ooh. about sneaking out tonight? A uh, little bit scared, but I, I feel a lot braver when I'm around you, so suppose I'm up for it. Scared? What do we have to be scared of? We're wizards. The world is our oyster. Beyond that, even, one day. Come on, it's a little fun. Okay. 
Um, what time and where should we meet? Swing by my place an hour after sundown. And don't forget to bring Foresight. I'd rather not walk the entire way. <laughs> yes, I'm sure Foresight would love a walk. So, yes, I will make sure I bring Foresight. You bring Foresight and I'll give you enough money to get Foresight drunk. Oh, I don't know if Foresight's ever been drunk. This should be well, interesting. As powerful spellcasters, it is, of course, our job to further the cause. Push the envelope, as it were, as it is. Indeed. Well, in that case, if there's no other magic today, uh, I should... Probably head back to my shop. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the the scorch mark on my whole body, but uh, I think uh, that's probably enough dueling for now. Yes, agreed. Uh, again, I am very sorry that I um, misinterpreted our rules that we set, and I hit you afterwards. Um, that was very wrong of me, and you won fair and square. Well played, sir. I mean... The knowledge is worth it. I may not have got anything good out of your secret little book, but I know that it's in Bodian, so I guess I need to start brushing up for our next duel. Indeed. Indeed. And he stands up, stretches his injured arm that is scorched pretty much all the way down to his elbow. I'm also... I have the mending cantrip, but I'm probably going to have to find another uniform before I head to my next class. I'll see you tonight, Squeak. Of course. And I uh, put out my fist to fist bump him. He does so with his injured hand, not thinking about it. Oh, that was a bad idea. Craft yourself. Yes, yes. He flicks his hand dismissively as you, yes, yeah, scurry into the little hedge. Uh, that separates the main street from the Arcane Academy. We leave the Arcane Academy and safety of Titan's 65-foot walls for the city outskirts. Four figures stand with their backs to the afternoon sun. We see three sunburnt and severely overdressed high elves dragging a dead axe beak between the three of them. The final figure looks particularly out of place amongst this group. Lexus, would you like to describe your character? Of course. Uh, you see a lean, muscular woman with long, dark red hair braided back out of her face, which has old scars down the left-hand side. Around the scars are black ink geometric designs. She's wearing loose clothing, uh, clearly designed for being out in the desert, uh, all you can see of the top is that it's made of leather and fur for protection around the arms and shoulders and upper legs, which are fashioned with metal on the torso. Along the breastplate are various designs of different styles. Some you can see are simple geometric patterns, some a little bit more intricate designs. Over her legs there are leather belts fashioned around loose white cloth pants that are strapped tight around the thighs with red fur and leather leading down to her feet. One of the high elves chimes up uh, you are leading this group back from a successful if boring hunting trip uh, mistress crooks here um my axe beak is starting to smell um what do i what do i do about that i think it's baking in the sun Ah, well, I would suggest that we get to your destination rather quickly so that you can start the process of uh, getting rid of the decaying factor, if you'd like. Um, and how would, how would one do that? Um, a second figure of the group chimes in. But couldn't you just fashion us all a trinket or something? It's, it's getting icky. Maybe with the beak? You could do something with the beak? You see, you only paid me to be your guide out into the desert. That would be a lot more. But I can take you somewhere that will do all of that for you. 
Mm, well, coin's not really an issue for us, so if, you know, making... Perhaps you could make us three trinkets. I, I don't know what it is you'd need, but if it's just gold, we have plenty, plenty of gold. Well, if that is something that you would really like, then I suppose I could do that for you. It's a deal. Um, how much? How much for, say, three trinkets from this odd creature? I could go with uh, 30 gold pieces. Uh, well, I mean, money's not an option, but it seems like a lot. Um, roll me a persuasion or intimidation check. Eight. <laughs> uh, perhaps 15 gold might be more appropriate. Five for it's... each trinket, if you will. You know, you were quite good out in the desert. I will give you that. Well, yes, we've, we've only had these these dang rifles for the t short time we've been here, but I do feel like a natural. Well, let us find somewhere that we can rest a little bit and I'll get the work for you. Amazing, amazing. Yes, of course. Uh, the three figures follow you. You hit around the side of Titan. Uh, from the positioning of the sun, it casts a long enough shadow for you to find some shelter against the city wall. So, um... Yes, just just three trinkets. I, I, we don't really mind which parts, but I, the beak is is rather fascinating. The the legs as well. Some of the feathers potentially. I'll see what I can do out of all of those pieces for you. Amazing, amazing. Yes, we'll just, we'll well, we'll just watch, I suppose. Supervise, if you will. Um, roll me an animal handling check. Oh dear. better 15 15's pretty solid uh you are able to fashion them three trinkets do you want to describe what they look like uh the one made out of the beak uh is made into almost like an arrowhead type of shape but one that uh, would curve inwards with the shape of a beak uh with some little carvings made into it but really simple uh, she's also made uh, like a feather necklace that she's almost like braided the feathers together to make like a plate necklace. And she's took um, some of the teeth and she's strung a tooth necklace and also teeth jokes has a has a beak. <laughs> Good old biology there. Gonna um, say X beaks are terrifying. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Beaks and teeth. <laughs> what desert horror is this? I mean, I, just, I don't know. Uh, hey, it takes its claws. Yeah, let's yeah. Make it. These X beaks have teeth as well. They're horrible monsters. <laughs> awesome. Okay, that's even better. Yeah, take some of the pissed. teeth. You hear one of the elves behind you. Oh, gods, I didn't even realize it had teeth. <laughs> yes, you'll see. They are, they are hidden within the beak. Yeah. So... It comes as a nasty shock if they get close to you. Truly, this is a, oh, an odd, strange land. Lucky we had such a, an effective guide with us. Ah, uh, you see, you did most of the work, yes, as she keeps carving the teeth. You finish making these trinkets in proximity of the body and with a solid understanding of axe beaks uh, from beak to teeth. You notice that there is... This axe beak seems a little bloated. Uh, and are able to pretty quickly determine that there is an egg inside this axe beak. I'd like to attempt to cut it out, please. Absolutely. Roll me a medicine check. I'll say the DC is very low. Seven... Seven's not great. You start to go through the feathers of this creature, cut into its hide, and you hear a crack. Ah, oh, Vel, it was worth a try. Seeing what is seeing the like tip of the shell peeking through the wound that you've carved into the side of the animal, one of the elves 
Uh, I'll say this. All three of them look pretty similar. Um, they're all sunburnt. They all have their long blonde hair tied up into buns. Um, and all three of them are wearing way too much clothing to be moving around in the desert. Um, it's much thicker than it should be as well. They are sweating bullets. Um, um, is that an egg? Breakfast, perhaps? Anyone? Yes, I've never had an X-Speak omelette before. Sounds positively daring. Well, I could continue cutting it out. It is cracked, after all. You could give it a go. Yes, of course. Please, please. Continues cutting. A little less um, worried about cracking it now, obviously. You pull out a rather sizable egg. From this creature um you have cracked the top of it and without too much effort you have what is effectively the makings of a huge omelet in your hands do any of you happen to cook um i've been known to make a sandwich or two i could take a crack at cooking this giant egg It is probably for the best. I can at least make you a fire. You've said that really dismissively. Like, what I said was bad. Of what do course you mean for not. the best? You could make an egg sandwich, no problem. Of course. Yes. Oh, an egg sandwich? God, could you imagine? Uh, the figures having completed their, their trek, and I can only assume sick of them already by this point, you make your way back towards back around the wall towards the front gate you see it is flanked uh, by a dozen dragonboard guards six on each side all of them wearing mithril breastplate with a rifle slung over their back a set of clubs or or cudgeons uh, at their sides standing at attention despite the scorching done a uh, scorching sun sorry uh, well Crix, we'd better hand you your coin now wouldn't want to get you in trouble would we uh, as they gesture towards the guards uh, they hand you 15 gold pieces for the trinkets and another three for the giant egg uh, they don't have titan coin they just have empire coin they're those tourists that don't get their money exchanged of course they are ah thank you very much it's uh been it's been an experience traveling with you yes and you as well um we do have a bit more time here is there anywhere we should come find you if we were to need your expert services again I do typically spend my time at the Purple Verm on the outer rim of the city. Oh, a local bar. <laughs> well, that sounds rather intriguing, doesn't it, team? We'll be sure to make our way there if we require your services again. Uh, Ta-ta, thank you. As they heed in the city gates. Um, I will also note, as you said the Purple Worm, one of the guards broke formation and spat on the ground. Uh, she briefly looks after them, muttering, utter fools, as she very quickly moves away from the guards and heads away from the city. You know for sure the second they get inside and lie down, they're going to pass out from heat stroke. There is almost no doubt. <laughs> Time passes. The sun sets, and with it, cool air descends over Titan. We skirt along the external wall towards the old city. Run-down buildings shout a vibrant conversations and small hearths. Ramshackle and mismatched, the old city surrounds a lake, the only source of fresh water for miles around. Beautiful music drifts across the lake, drawing in tourists, old city regulars, and maybe even a few of Titan's staunchest supporters. The singing in particular pulls us into a purple building, packed to the rafters with life the purple worm and the main act has taken the stage jade 
Would you like to describe your character? Yes. Um, Tria is a beast hide shifter woman uh, of average height and average build with round features and the nose and ears of a beer. Beer? Beer. <laughs> Her hair is uh, styled in a dark brown curly bob. Her skin is a deep brown and it is draped in a floor length silver evening gown. She carries a cigarette in one hand and a microphone in the other as she lounges over a couch, singing almost effortlessly into this microphone. Your song carries through the packed club. We see smaller figures like halflings and kobolds slap their knees to the beat as they rest on the roof support beams. All the standing room is taken by swaying bodies. Even the tables far at the back in the dark corners of the purple worm are mostly full. Through the haze of pipe smoke and cheap perfume, a powerful voice interrupts the crowd. Well, if that ain't the vo a voice that could warm the sands themselves, give it up for the lovely Tria. Now this little lady has to take a break, but I promise we have another desert rose to keep you moving in the meantime. Six foot four, gold eyes, dark skin, and a thick afro. Prudence, proprietor of the purple worm, takes you under her arm and walks you backstage towards the changing rooms. She adjusts her glittering black dress as she says, We haven't talked in a while, little Tria. What's happening with you? Oh, not too much, but uh, the search is still not going as well as I would hope. I was afraid it'd be more of the same. You know, Tartam's little compliance offices are really moving in on the old city. Feels like it's shrinking every day. Uh, she snaps her fingers, and a half-orc in a tight black waistcoat places a drink in her hand before rushing back to the bar. It glitters gold, very similar to the coloring of her eyes. You know, I pulled you off stage a little early so I could warn you. There's a chance some fancy-schmancy Tartam official is swinging by, and I know it would look bad if you were on stage when they got here. Maybe mingle at the tables until I give you all the all-clear to come back on up. Feel free to put on something a little less conspicuous if you don't want to draw everyone's eyes to you. Well, it'll probably lower the tips, but at the very least, don't want to get caught up in all of that. Not today. Sugar, we need to lower the tip so everybody else gets a few. Look, I would love to contribute to everybody else's tips, but at the end of the day, I need this money. I, I cannot stress this enough. It's... I know, I know. It's all part of the plan. I get it. I wish I didn't have to, but it is... It is what it is, and look, at, as soon as the search is over and everything has gone back to normal, everyone else can, I, I can, I can leave, I can, I can sing a little bit worse, I can stop performing as good and I can give it all up, but I just need it for now. I am joking. It would be a... An unholy act for me to ask you to sing worse, okay? People need joy in their lives, and that's what your voice brings to this beaten up little town. Now, you go to Mingling, okay? I'll make sure that the person covering you on stage isn't, well, awful. Nobody here is awful. You hire an immaculate team, Prudence. Well, I can be awful when I need to be. Uh, she, you see her eyes light up as she clasps her hands together and starts casting some kind of spell. Uh, she targets the stage and immediately the singer who was on there, her voice projects further. The pitch corrects itself as they begin performing uh, with a little boost of magical proficiency. Rhea will go to throw on a less extravagant robe um, 
and head, make her way into the crowds, um, grab a drink up at the bar. You head towards the bar, the same half-orc sees you approaching, pulls your usual and slides it over to you. Uh, a gruff, very orcish half-orc, uh, tusks, dark green skin, um, very thick, unkempt hair. Right, Tria, you look a little down. I'm just not looking forward to whoever's coming through that door. Well, I doubt they'll be able to fit anyone else in. Place is packed tonight. I'm sure they'll force their way in if they have to. At the very least, this ale should bring me some comfort, and I will have to go and mingle. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're looking for a bit of respite, I think there's only three tables of seats at him. Uh, he gestures towards the very back of the room. At one table, we see a a grey dragonborn and a little Bodian, a cockroach figure, sitting together. Uh, at the next table, we see a human with red hair, a regular, uh, who you name you know her name starts with a C. Uh, and then at a third table. You see a smaller humanoid, a, a smaller creature, hooded, very deliberately hiding their features, sitting next to a tiefling, uh, again a regular, you know their name to be Skarkus. They're a, a red-skinned tiefling figure who does work out of the bar, but you're not sure exactly what they're working. I think Tria will stroll over initially towards... Uh the unnamed redhead of the bar. Uh, a familiar face might bring us some comfort. You head on over. Crixia, the star of the purple worm, approaches your table and takes a seat. Well, hello there. I never thought I'd get a uh, personal viewing. Well, I see you around here quite a lot and thought maybe now was the chance to say hello ah I must say I am a big fan thank you I do try my best I don't personally think that you need to try your best you are trying everyone here well thank you for the flattery would you like another drink I'm uh, very particular to the ale here. So am I. Um, Tria will, like, look up around to see if there's any wait staff in the area. Um, she's not gonna click her fingers, but she'll just kind of, like, raise an eyebrow. <laughs> As you do so, we briefly leave your table. You know that being the star of the purple worm, it is only a matter of time before one of the waitstaff comes over to you. We scooch over to the next little table with our Bodian. Didn't I tell you? They've got, you know, performers, and they actually sing songs here. It's not just uh, dragon hymns and ugh, all the other carry-on that happens inside the city. Isn't this place great? They didn't even check our IDs. They didn't even, like... You're, how old are you again? Your Bodians are young, right? Yes, I'm 14, but our age doesn't That's really matter. crazy. You're 14, and look, and he, like, lifts a mug of ale and cheeses you. Oh, flee, they don't come over and check our IDs, even though you said they don't ID here. Uh, I'm a little bit worried. I suppose the more ale I drink, the less worried I'll get, right? That's how it works? Yeah, definitely. That's definitely how it works. I chug back the ale. <laughs> just academically speaking, how do you think they pick the drinking age? When, because elves can live to be like hundreds of years old, right? But your people are lucky to hit 40. So how does that work? That's a very good question. Um, one I will have to get back to you on after I do some research, because I do not like to answer questions I do not know. Yes, well, 
It is ever the wizard's joy to answer those questions, isn't it? Such as, how drunk can we get on my father's coin? I'm very excited to find out this. Huzzah! And he cheers you again. Huzzah! Um, we move to the third table, where Skarkis, the tiefling, he smiles, and you see that his teeth pointed are also one, two, three of them switched out with gold. He has tattoos on the side of his face of a spider crawling along a web, and even the tips of his horns have small gems embedded in them. Okay. H. I got what you came for. Oh. This is faster than I had imagined. Say it uh, fell off the back of an old Osrad ship on its way past, and I uh, happen to know a guy who knows a guy who could get it for you. Now I will warn you, it's a powerful device. I'd be careful if I were you. You need not worry. I walk in the shade of the Dragon Queen. Be honest, I don't really know what that means, but if it means you can be discreet. Now, it is a rare artifact, hard to get one's hands on, and you and I both know this kind of object requires risk obtaining. So it will be a little pricier. I assume you've brought some coin with you. I have, but... I would be remiss to not talk about timelines and how it will make its way to my domicile, for I cannot be seen with it. Oh, so you're going to want the delivery service. Yes, we've talked about this for weeks. Look, I, I'm a shady smuggler. I'm not known for my timeliness or paying attention really to the deal that we made but yes of course now would you like to take a sneak peek I've got it on me no no it's too risky I mean no one would even hear it it's so loud in here I said no okay so if we are using the regular pricing for the artifact, the delivery service, and I assume you'll want some replacement parts as well. Yes, go on. What about the extended warranty? Can I inter- interest you in that? <laughs> what does it what what does it get me? Well, if you have if anything goes wrong with it, if there are any, you know, uh, accidents, any bits break, anything that needs to be repaired, you just bring it back to Skarkus and I'll fix it for you. If, uh, for, let's say, the first month or so. I will be Free fine. Free of charge. I will be fine. I would really recommend the, the insurer, but, you know, the, the customer is always right, they say, in these matters. The sooner we can wrap this up, the better. Fair. I do have a few more customers coming in tonight. Uh, let's call it Twenty copper claws. Very well. Hand him a satchel of coin under the table. He grabs it, slips it into his long coat. Tonight? Or do you want it delivered tomorrow? Whenever is most prudent to not be seen. For know this, Skarkis. If you are caught, then it is the crag for the both of us. Oh, that's why I charge a premium. And do not offer premium service. (sighs) I stand (laughs) and make my way into the crowd. You make your way into the crowd, having discussed a very important object. Uh, Skarkus, fully lying to you about having other customers, stands up and starts making his way. 
to the <laughs> drop-off location. Just walks uh, past me, like awkwardly, yeah. like. Yeah, you're both leaving at the same time, <laughs> just walking past each other. Well, bye. Uh, it takes him a while to make his way through the hustling, uh, the, the hustle and bustle of the Purple Worms crowd as the music picks up. Uh, he makes his way through the door as a terrible explosion erupts from the kitchen and behind the stage. Flames immediately begin to spread along the inside of the building. Black smoke covers everyone's view. You hear coughing but cannot see anything. There is shrapnel from glass and metal chairs raining down. I need everyone to roll me initiative. And that is going to be all for the first episode of Lost Cause. Thanks so much for listening as we begin to tell the story of these four disparate adventurers in the grand city of Taitam and the deserts of Poaha. We have so much planned and we can't wait to share it with you all. Literally, we've released the first two episodes already to celebrate our premiere and Kiwi RPG Week, and new episodes are coming every Friday. Keep up to date with everything Lost Cause on our socials at Lost Cause Pod across all platforms. And if you want, flick us an email at lostcausepod at gmail.com. It's good to note that while we may not be on every podcast app right now, we will be in the coming weeks, so please remember to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts, share with a friend if you think they might like it, and until next time, remember, the Dragon Queen is always watching.